Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. This is the Zookeeper podcast where we take you behind the scenes talking to professionals in the industry about their stories, words of wisdom and journey so far to get to where they are today, really showing you what it takes to be a zookeeper. All views throughout the podcast shared are of those speaking alone and in no way reflect the collections they work for. So please come along for the journey, enjoy the ride and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Zookeeping 101. My name's James Dennis, I'm your presenter, and today we're talking all things heading a keeping team, and who better to talk to than Louisa Bartlett. Welcome Louisa to the show. Hiya, thank you for having me, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Now if you want to introduce to all our lovely listeners exactly who you are, where you come from, and what title you hold. So yeah, as James says, I'm Louise Bartlett, I'm the head keeper at Martin Wildlife and Dinosaur Park, um, and I have been in the role as head keeper for the past Ideas. truly amazing now no one simply rolls into these sorts of positions everyone has to work their graft and their stripes effectively and, and build up through this industry and everyone's got those life moments those journey moments and those stories to be told along the way to get into where they are do you have them louisa do you have those true stepping stone moments to get into where you are today yes definitely i will say that there was some part of luck obviously getting into the industry there's definitely a lot of iconic moments that got me to the role that i am today I started out always wanting to be a zookeeper. When I was younger, I think most of us zookeepers do. I fell in love with animals from a very young age. I was lucky enough to visit a fair few different countries and fall in love with wildlife. I remember being a kid and watching an Australian pelican play with a sprinkler on a beach in Western Australia, which was absolutely fantastic. And my mum always says I literally spent hours just watching it because I was really fascinated by that behaviour. Getting into the industry, I started at school wanted to go to sixth form to go to to head to university but I found that route wasn't the right one for me I really struggled with it Um, I ended up going to college and Arts College of Agriculture doing animal management that's where I exceeded fell in love with it realized that this was obviously where my passion was um, and I was determined to get into the industry I spent a lot of time going to various different collections doing work experience I had a part-time job, saved up the money, paid for accommodation and travel so that I could get as much experience as possible. Thankfully, that helped. I volunteered at my local wildlife park as well. And then I was lucky enough to get a job at Longleat Safari Park. I stayed there for a year. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed working there, but I wanted to head off and work with more species, get more experience. Uh, and I ended up moving to Exmoor Zoo, which brought me down to Devon. Again, got to work with some fantastic species, which I absolutely love. Majority of the time, it was a range of mammal species that I was working with. Majority was primate, which then led me to primate keeper position at Kumartin, which I fell in love with. Starting out at, obviously, Longleat being a large collection, it was amazing. But I think I've definitely loved working in smaller collections. I love getting to know everybody on the team, not just on the animal department, your maintenance, uh, your retail, the office staff. Um, I really feel that it's a proper family unit and I fell in love with being at Coombe. Being a small collection, you get to work with obviously a large range, help out on lots of other sections and that definitely helped me with the role that I'm in today. Moving up to Senior Keeper, that obviously taught me a bit more about managing people um, and managing a team. Thankfully that led me to be in the Head Keeper position. I obviously showed my, my directors that I was hopefully up for the job and being in the role for five years now, um, I think they're still happy with me. Doesn't mean it hasn't been tough and it hasn't been a roller coaster. It is a harder, but it's a big step up into a Head Keeper role from even just a Senior Keeper, but I've loved every step away my one thing is that I live by is push yourself out of your comfort zone there's sometimes things that you think you're not going to be able to do just do it 
because you'll surprise yourself with what you can do and that's how you can grow as a person absolutely and i think to dial it down if you were to pick one trait one attribute inside yourself which has allowed you to drive on and become the person you are today what would that be keep at it like there is some days that are hard obviously we're working with animals that we love when you lose them sometimes that can be the hardest thing but Go see the other animals that you're working with. And if you're having hard days in manager side of things, go chat to your other team, chat to your managers about it. Keep at it, speak to other collections. One thing that I love about the industry is you've got so many people with a wealth of experience that you can go and talk to and bounce ideas off, ask for, ask for advice. Go do that. There's people that have been in all sorts of situations that you can learn from, that you can grow, and they'll help you through those situations as well. So be open, honest, chat to people. Don't be afraid to, uh, as I said, yeah put yourself out of your comfort zone, keep pushing, keep being determined. That passion is there. You need that passion. And also, I think for myself, I've learned, think positively. Don't dwell on those negatives. Think of the positives of what you're doing, the impacts of what you're doing. If you're having a bad day, go speak to a member of public that's in the collection. If you're chatting to them, you'll see how much you can inspire them and make a difference. And that 100% keeps you well, it keeps me anyhow going and keeps me doing the job that I'm doing. Yeah, totally. Some really, really great advice. And you touched on a few, but if you were to dial it down, if you were to pick one trait, one main attribute inside yourself, which has allowed you to power on and be the person you are and, and get to the position you're in, what, what would it be? Positivity, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. Positivity is key. I think it's very easy to get inside your own head and put your head down and just carry on with your day. But it's best to be positive and engage with your teams what they're there for and exactly that and i guess this leads perfectly to that next question louisa for you and that is this industry can get overwhelming at times it can get crazy and there's a huge demand behind every role but with yourself you've obviously got to accommodate our guests best interests but also your team's best interests how have you learned to encompass all of this and turn it into that positivity into that drive and into a, I guess, a, a positive outcome overall. So for me personally, I rely on my team. I have a laugh with them. No matter how much of a bad day that you are having, go do something with them. Go do something with the animals. My role's a mixture of both. I'm lucky enough to still get to spend time with the animal. Not as much as obviously you do when you're a keeper, but um, it's, I still am able to just pop down and see those guys, do a training session. I absolutely love just heading down, weight training my gildy monkeys. That's just a way to kind of reset my mind get me back into what I'm doing but again yeah relying on my team going to chat to them seeing what they're doing seeing what other people are doing in other collections if I'm finding things tough a good way that I find resetting is just going to walk in nature watching the wildlife around us and seeing what's going on there I do bird ringing outside of work and that's a good thing to keep me where I am keep me positive seeing obviously the native wildlife conferences workshop for people that know me I do go to a fair few but that's a way that I find helps keep me motivated if I'm struggling with certain things at work whenever I go to a conference you're always coming back with so many new ideas, things that you want to do, things that you want to try. I think it's great to learn more, gain more experience, speak to obviously other people, get to know them as well. And also travel. Love to travel. I love to go see the species that I work with out within the wild. Um, and I think that's really important for keepers to go out and do and actually see the forest, see some of the conservation projects that you may be working with, that you may be supporting. Go to rescue centres, actually go to the heart and see that and then bring that back to your job. Because even if you're having a bad day, as I said, going to speak to a member of public or something that you've seen will actually start to reignite that passion again and get you re-motivated in what we're doing. Because, yes, sometimes you can get very tied down in the negatives of things, but 
you shouldn't you've got to focus on the bigger picture you've got to be optimistic about everything because the world is how it is but if we all thought on the negatives we wouldn't be growing as an industry we wouldn't be developing we wouldn't be saving all of these species um we just need to be supporting each other and pushing ourselves through yeah totally and i think we ourselves have met many times at conferences and workshops it's a great way to network and you've got abwak biaza Eaza, so many opportunities in the modern day so definitely to get involved with those and on top of that as you say going out to see your animals in the wild it's the dream of so many zookeepers and if you have the opportunity truly embrace it so no some great great words now the next question for you is sadly things don't always go to plan problems occur real problem solving is required and errors are possible within our role how have you learned to embrace these these troublesome problems which come about and push forward to turn it into a positive and a real learning curve for you to push on into your role i literally use them as a way to learn you've got to know that you're going to make mistakes at the end of the day we are all human I mean, it's something that will well inevitably it will happen um but if you put too much pressure on you from making that you're not going to learn from them think about what you've done correct think about the things that you did wrong and then work out ways that you can improve sometimes you may not get it right the next time especially in a management side of things you may go about something a little bit too heavy-handed but take that time to sit reflect on it um, and work it out you can also speak to your team if you think there's something that you've done wrong rely on the people around you bounce off ideas and just remember that they're there to help you as well if you have made a mistake and say if you were a little bit too heavy-handed said something um, that might be a bit out of place because obviously all the things that you've got going on be open and honest I think trust is incredibly important with people if you're going up say how you're feeling say oh apologies yeah didn't mean to come over that got a lot going on and talk about it with everybody I think communication is key I think you need to rely on the people around you and just remember for yourself that yes mistakes happen but focus again on what you can do better next time. And then each time you're going to grow, you're going to learn, you're going to develop. Um, and every time you're just going to become an even better person of yourself. Absolutely. I think you've alluded to it already. The team is the core behind your success. It's how you can push on and bounce off of your mistakes, turning them into a true positive. So the next question for you is the building of a team. What is it that you're looking for when building a team, an individual, a keeper coming into your team? What skill set, what personality what is it you're looking for within them to form a good keeper for you? Realistically, the main thing that I actually look for is a passion. Someone that wants to work with a species, say, depending on the job role that I have on offer, whether I put out, say, a primate keeper position, someone that has a passion for that species, someone that has the determination to work with them. I haven't got a degree, so it would be very hypocritical of myself to obviously specifically say that I'd only hire for people that have degrees. I look at what they say in their CV, what they say in their cover letter. Sometimes you do get people coming through and I would just love them in their cover letter to just put that little bit more. Tell us that little bit more about themselves. Allow them to actually say why they want that role and explain to me what they can do obviously for us at the park why I should hire them over and obviously anyone else that has applied I do think that's something that people need to focus a bit more attention on when they're applying is don't just send out your generic CV and cover letter do put it specifically for the role that you're applying for and when I interview seeing how the people come across seeing what they're their interest talking about um past mistakes talking about how they've also grown but yeah i think passion education is also incredibly useful as well for not writing that off in the slightest but i've got obviously a huge spectrum of people that want to get into the industry at times we all know it's incredibly hard to get into the industry i think a mixture of education and also experience is key 
Some of my team have actually just started by just volunteering at the park. They haven't got any qualifications uh, in animal management, but to me that didn't matter because they showed us how well they, they were and some fantastic keepers that we've had at the park. Uh, and they've been great team players. A lot of different industries and jobs that you've worked in, see your customer service roles are really important. When you're applying for jobs, you can obviously make sure that you're putting some of the things that you have done in those jobs um, that you think may actually help. Public speaking, that's obviously really important. Some collections are lucky. They've got specific people just to do talks, but my team have to do them. And yeah, it's just seeing how those keepers shine through. Um, and just show through that passion and the desire to actually want to do the job. It is a hard job, but if you're positive, you're showing that enthusiasm, that desire to obviously get into the industry. That's kind of what I pick up off people. I also do think about obviously the team that I've already got, whether the people are going to fit in with the team as well, because you need a team that is close, that is supportive of one another. At the end of the day, we all know humans are humans. You get on with some people, you don't with others. So it's quite important to have a team that are going to get on. You want us to be like a big family. You want us to be able to click. Yes, you have your moments, but you want on the hard times when you've lost an animal, you want everybody to be able to stick together and support each other, be there for one another. Yeah, for sure. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. You've already answered my question. Very, very well put as well that that three years experience over three years in education there is no true route whatever you put your mind to whatever works for you determination's key and you will succeed so sky is the limit and uh yeah very very well put definitely and that's the thing is i think people wanting to get into the industry there isn't that one set route but look into the different ways that would suit you to try and get into that route i obviously didn't get on with doing my as levels i really struggled with them and at First, I thought that was my only route into the industry was going on to do a zoology or an animal behaviour degree. Thankfully for a career advisor, she basically told me about this college and I was straight there and it really helped me out. Yes, a lot of people went on from the course to go to university, but I was already volunteering, doing a lot of work experience that I didn't want to study for another three years. I wanted to basically be there, being the cleaner, getting on and just doing the work rather than working to do it. Um, and thankfully, obviously, I was lucky enough to get a job to do that but it's the mixture of both and it's your character it's continue to have that passion don't let obviously continuing like applying for the jobs you may have to apply for an awful lot of them before you get an interview but do keep at it be passionate be determined and just be prepared to work for it as well it is a fantastic industry to be in I would highly recommend most people getting into it but it's also it's not right for everybody because it is hard not just physically our park um, we're set on the side of a valley, so it is quite physically demanding, unlike some collections that are nice and flat. But all of the jobs are obviously uh, very, uh, can be very physically demanding, but it is also quite mentally demanding as well. Um, and having strong mental health is obviously quite important. But again, relying on the team around you and being happy to be open and honest and obviously chatting to the people around you about how you are feeling because at the end of the day it is okay to not be okay but we do need to be starting to talk about it and relying on the people to help us through absolutely and i couldn't put it better myself but before we move on from the building of a team the final question i've got for you louisa is you talk about looking at cvs at cover letters and and obviously looking at what the person is all about. Is there anything that someone not simply wanting to come into the industry, but maybe move from position to position throughout the industry can do to get that foot in the door? You know, we all know how competitive it is, how hard it is. Is there anything that little golden star put on the CV, whether it be 
skills such as rope splicing through to a first aid course through to tractor skills you name it is there anything additional that they can do to give them that little extra edge to get their foot in the door for that interview to hopefully prove they're the keeper for you oh of course um so any extra skills like yeah if you show that you've done maintenance if you've been building stuff in your house you know I've had one of my past members of the team who has completely stripped and rebuilt houses like that's really useful skills to have yes we have a maintenance department but it is really handy to be able to use power tools to be able to create enrichment obviously if people were to have gun licenses that is handy yeah there's a whole range of different skill sets chainsaw licenses can also be very helpful but again it depends on the role that you're going for if you've had experience and it's not been with zoo animals in animal training where obviously animal training is developing more and more with a whole range of different species which is fantastic obviously marine mammals have been doing it fantastically for years and it is great to see that it is going more and more into all different types of taxa um, it's not just the marine mammals now you've got people training reptiles quite regularly now which is fantastic um, and you've obviously got all the, the birds and your all your mammal species as well so anything like that if you've got your pet dog and you've been doing training classes again write that in it's all useful skills that um, I will obviously look at yeah totally and that leads us to the big questions as part of this podcast episode where we tackle some of the larger questions floating around the industry and try and find those inner answers now the first one i've got for you louisa we all know that at a management level sadly you're taking a slightly step further away from the animals and closer to the managing of people and obviously communications key talking to people and aiding them with their own lives and their own troubles now the first question I've got for you on a management level is how would you describe your management style? So my management style has definitely developed as the time has gone on. I wouldn't say that anybody going into a management role is perfect from the get go. Um, I've definitely learned, definitely grown in the skills and kind of worked out what seems to work best for my team. One thing that I've obviously learned is basically that everybody is obviously different. One management technique that works for one member of your team may not work for another member. So it's getting to know your team, getting to know the individuals that you're working with and getting to know their strengths and weaknesses. So myself, it is stepping back and watching them, seeing where they shine the most and obviously trying to work with them to develop in the areas that they're obviously strongest and then work on the areas that they're obviously the weakest with them. I try and be as positive as possible but also allow that sense of trust and responsibility, getting them involved as much as possible, even in the decision-making. I've found that really helps to keep the team connected to what they're doing, but also really involved. And it seems to keep them having a better understanding of the industry as a whole. Sometimes we do have to make incredibly hard decisions when we've obviously got an animal who, say, we do a geriatric animal that is coming to the end of life um, and they're starting to deteriorate and their welfare is obviously suffering. Getting those guys, getting your team involved in the decision making, explaining to them and the reasons and the steps and how they see and seeing it from the animal's point of view. I think that's really important to allow your team to know everything that's that's going on and the decision making that goes within it. In the past, it used to be I've done it where we've just made the decisions and people weren't involved. And they've also struggled with coming to terms with that side of things. So I also think that getting them involved in it also helps with them and the process that goes with it and helps with them. Yeah, I think it's trying to be calm, take breath, listen to what's going on. Don't react immediately. Just listen to the people that are around you. 
um, listen to your team, listen to your directors, your management, and try and see the situation as a whole instead of going in all guns blazing, first of all, being as calm and collective as possible. And then, yeah, just dealing with the situation as you can. Obviously, you come across all sorts of things. As a general keeper, half of the stuff that has come up, I never even imagined would even come up as a head keeper. But every situation is different. Um, and it's just learning from those situations and seeing where you can go, seeing what you can do better, focusing on obviously what you have done well and focusing on your team and how they react. And everybody's got stuff that's going on outside, outside of work and it's just being there and being nice and supportive uh, for your team. I find that's incredibly helpful and being a listening ear. Um, I don't need to say anything back, but having an open door policy that they can come in and chat about anything. I think really help just to get things off of their chest because sometimes that's all it takes is you literally just need to talk to somebody get it off and then you got it off of your chest and you can carry on and just focus on what you need to do yeah it's definitely developed as time's gone on and I'm sure as I continue to grow um, it will continue to develop and change um, I don't think there's one set management technique I think it's a whole host of different techniques very well put now the next one I've got for you Louisa then is the traditional zookeeper role. We're talking about the trainee level, the qualified keeper level, even the apprenticeship level. How do those keeping roles compare to the management level that you're currently in, you know, spearheading a team, running the collection effectively? What is it that compares, differs? What are the roles and how close or separate are they? So there's an awful lot that obviously very different. Every collection is different. So I obviously know from just my role, the step up on obviously your general paperwork all the extra responsibilities um, of organizing for zoo license inspections all of the other inspections that we end up getting your after inspection any deferred inspections that come up having to oversee tour people around having to sort out protocols risk assessments that side of things on the paperwork um, that was obviously a big difference from the role although we read them regularly it's not the same as obviously writing them going through all of the inspections getting everything sorted the extra responsibility on obviously not just your animals welfare on just say one or two sections you've obviously got the whole collection that you're then responsible for you've also got a whole team that you're responsible for as well you've got to through being head keeper I've definitely learned a lot more about the business as a whole so not just looking at it from a keeper's perspective it's looking at it from the management perspective and also from the public's perspective as well and learning more about your business learning more about finances and how that obviously plays part in everything that we do. So my role went from being a senior keeper on our primate section to, so I was managing the team there and also our 10 species primate, but then it was a big step up to obviously managing the whole part. It is a bigger step, but if you ever get obviously offered a position, go for a position, I would highly recommend it. It can be incredibly daunting. I went and spoke to someone that I class as very highly in the industry for advice about should I go for the position how much it changes will I enjoy it because obviously I was worried about stepping up and going more into uh, managerial more paperwork side of things and losing obviously the relationship that I had with the animals and um, that obviously built up with over the years and he gave the best advice he said well go for it at the end of the day you wouldn't have been offered the position if your directors didn't think you were capable of doing it I think you're able to do it. So I can't see why you shouldn't. So yeah, I would recommend speaking to people, but also, as I said, pushing yourself out of that comfort zone, learning what needs to be a part of it. It's a fantastic job. I'm, as I said, lucky that I've still been able to still keep the animal side of things. Every collection is different. 
Um, every role is very, very different. So it's knowing your collection. It's knowing the one thing that I've loved about becoming head keeper is ins and outs of the park, not just on the animal side, um, on all the other departments as well. And it has been incredibly eye-opening how businesses run. It's never a dull day. It's always fascinating. You definitely have to be a motivated person. You think you've got your day set like you normally do on an animal keeper side of things, but you could be pulled left, right and centre. One day you're basically wanting to catch up on these records, but you've got an animal issue down here. You've got a staff issue over here. So you need to be resilient. You need to be able to deal with multiple different situations at once. Again, just being able to rely on the people around you, I think is really important. Yeah, there's there's a few differences, I think. <laughs> definitely changes, but it's definitely worth it. So yeah, just being prepared for change. Being prepared for the unexpected. There's always things that show up. Sometimes you just go, wasn't expecting to be doing this, but just enjoy it. It's definitely a good roller coaster to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just before we move on, just going to touch on, you just said you were running the zoo pretty much. I think that really sums up and it's a great moment to pause on this podcast episode and really discuss that the, the term head keeper is a very a very traditional title for someone who would be below the likes of a curator or a director when actually the modern day head keeper and the modern day zookeeper, even the titles don't truly match the job role anymore. You know, there's so much more required of them and obviously each collection is totally different. So the roles are so large now they've expanded and it gives a lot more scope for the individual in that role to, to really make a difference. Yeah, it really depends on the collection that you're in. Every collection has different titles for different roles. Some of your large collections, you will have specific education, conservation, research officers, or have whole teams for that. Being a small collection, basically us, I oversee all of that side of things. I deal with, obviously, work experience, interns, volunteers, placement, obviously, alongside of just your general things part of being a head keeper part of the gum team time obviously changes certain collections you'll have your keepers part of it well um which we do it's really yeah it's hard to put a title on exactly what you do because different collections are very different um i just know obviously my collection of what we do yes you would always want to have extra an extra hand maybe once in a while to help out with all the stuff that you've got to do um, but you definitely become very good at managing a whole host of different things that you need to do. My jobs list never ends, but then to be fair, most people won't. There's a lot that you've always got to, to get done. Yeah, I only know it from our collection, but when you speak to other people, there's a lot of other collections that work the same. There's a lot of other collections that work differently. So it's just, for me, going into the role, like I love the collection that I'm at. One, it's got a nice range of species. It's a very friendly, family-orientated kind of environment. And also, we're sat on the side of the valley. It's absolutely beautiful. Overlook near the sea. Um, it's stunning. Definitely some very exciting times ahead. And we'll see what the future holds regarding these very, very exciting times, hopefully, for the future of our industry here in the UK. Now, the next question, and one of the last questions of the big questions for you, is... With regards to our industry, with regards to our collections, we have a whole range of taxonomic groups from mammals to birds to fish to invertebrates and so on. With regards to the managing of these teams, do you find that each taxonomic group needs to be managed differently? So the mammal keepers to the bird keepers, for example, or is it simply down to the personality of the individual keeper? 
Oh, that's an interesting question. It's a mixture because, yes, certain keepers on certain taxes are do act very differently. They've obviously got a whole range of different experience. They've got a whole range of different knowledge. But yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. The individual is very important. Sometimes invertebrate keepers are a lot better at dealing with certain situations like death due to the fact that sadly they have to deal with it quite regularly. Other keepers that work with obviously species that have quite long uh, lived lives, it really it really depends on the individual um, and knowing them. Amazing. And just like that, you've smashed through the big questions. You've got through to the end of this podcast episode. And this final element is the quick fire round. As we've quickly learned, these can either explode into conversation or be treated, as the label says, on the tin and fire through as the quick questions they are so we'll see how we get on louisa but for now the first one to kick you off is what is your favorite animal uh red shank duke clanger Aye, great choice any reason for that in particular because they're just fantastic <laughs> i've always yeah i've always loved them if you had asked me what seven eight years ago it would always be orangutan um orangs have been kind of my favorite since i was a kid but i kind of fallen in love with the weird and wonderful um species i absolutely love pangolins yeah, red shank duke clangers are just a species that one I've always been fascinated by. But going out to Vietnam, getting to work with them at the Endangered Primate Rescue Centre and getting to see them in the wild has definitely made me fall in love with them even more. They're just really weird and awesome. Yeah, great, great choice. Now, the next one for you then is what is your top tip for mental health and well-being? Uh, top tip would be take a break and speak to people. It's okay to remember. It's okay to not be okay but rely on the people around you don't try and fight things alone there's a whole support network that you may not think is out there but they actually are yeah totally okay more of a management question then what is your top tip for motivating a team chocolate helps definitely um my team absolutely love chocolate but i think communication and trust really helps um for sure yeah smashed it okay the next one then it's quite broad what is your favourite thing and the best thing about this industry we work in? How connected everybody is. Um, how you can meet a zookeeper from another country and discuss anything that you, you're doing. Um, you can support each other. Yeah, how supportive everybody is. How willing everyone is to help develop and continue to just grow the industry. For sure. And you talked about how much you love to travel. This next one's going to test you. And that is in this amazing world we live in, where zoo wise would you like to visit and why um it's a zoo that i haven't visited but i've always wanted to which would be leipzig zoo only because they've got pangolins uh <laughs> and i also hear the rest of the collection is absolutely fantastic but i do like to visit a whole range of different collections so i'm always willing to go different places and see the zoos and see where they're at and see no matter what zoo you go from there's always something that you can take back to your collection so if people don't get out and visit zoos and you're a keeper or i do recommend just pop into another collection seeing how things go chatting to other keepers because no matter where you are in the world you can learn so much from one another absolutely okay well to reverse a previous question what would you improve within this industry oh that's an interesting one the one thing i'd probably improve is ensuring that there's old books and journals and things make them more freely available for people make that ability to share information easier because there's a lot of keepers that don't realize that information is out there there is a lot that people have done in the past that we can definitely learn from um and i think if that was 
more available uh, everybody it would obviously help everybody and help continue us to grow a bit more yeah really good answer okay well i'm going to reverse a slightly earlier question and that is what is the best part of your role no day ever being the same <laughs> i know that sounds really weird um that is the whole industry but i think that's what i absolutely love as much as sometimes you go oh really i haven't got time for this 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 but you obviously you have to get on and just do them i just love that the fact that it's always unexpected what's going to go on i love seeing actually my keepers grow and develop as that's just something really nice to see seeing them developing on doing some animal training learning more on that side of things developing a passion because every keeper is individual um every keeper has their own passions their own things that excite them within the industry watching them grow and develop um and follow those passions and dreams i think is fantastic at the end of the day we're all here we're all wanting to help of this obviously the species that we're working with watching everyone go into their own little avenues and even if they leave part going on and continuing other collections and growing and yeah just pushing the industry forward that's what i really like yeah you're doing really well there louisa you're nearly through these questions smashing through them okay the next one then is delving a bit more into your personal mind and that is who within the industry is your idol um someone that i always looked up to was dave coles he is retired now he was the curator at bill park he kind of someone that's more influenced me throughout my career he was the guy that i went to to ask advice of taking my headkeeper role he's done a whole wealth of things throughout his career and yeah he's really yeah I always see him as someone that's an idol someone else who's not really in the industry anymore but Sean Waters used to be keeper side of things management side um but then has gone on to set up Barbary Macaque Awareness and Conservation now obviously out helping save Barbary Macaques out within Morocco there's a lot that being a keeper opens up doors but I think that passion that dream and optimism is really what you need to kind of push yourself push the industry forward but also there's so much that a single individual can do but it's also relying on the connections the people that you have um around you and there's something and yeah from what she's done I think that's really inspiring yeah some really really lovely words thank you so much for sharing those now the final question of these quick fire round is can you sum up this whole industry working in only three words inspiring for one busy <laughs> and just incredible because yeah it's just it's an awesome industry to be in getting to work with obviously the species that we get to work with and getting to connect with a whole host of people um i don't know many other industries like it a lot of my friends that aren't in the industry think it's crazy going to collections and just sparking up a conversation with random people but it's just yeah it's very welcoming I think we're just yeah in a fantastic industry that is very willing to help and support and encourage people to to grow and develop what a wonderful way to sum up this whole episode thank you so much Louisa for coming on sharing your journey sharing your stories and answering some questions about this amazing industry it's been a real honor for me and the listeners Thank you so, so much. You're most welcome. It's been great to chat to you. No, thank you. And hopefully we'll get you on again very, very soon. Yeah, sounds good. Take care, Louisa. Bye. Bye. And that concludes this week's episode. What an amazing guest and an amazing time we had. Now, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, or our podcast channels to Zookeeping 101. I can't express how thankful I am personally from a fellow zookeeper to have you along for this quite amazing journey learning about everything zookeeper. 
Otherwise, please subscribe. Thank you for listening and see you very, very soon. Bye.